This is the Stand Alone podcast, supporting estranged adults in everyday life. Whilst maintaining good mental health is such a key battle for many people who have experienced estrangement, this period of isolation and uncertainty during the coronavirus outbreak presents a new challenge to deal with. So, the founder and CEO of Standalone UK, Becca Bland, wanted to make a couple of special editions of the Standalone podcast to help people look after themselves during this time. And this is the second of those two episodes. Today, Becca meets with Monica Greenfield. She's a life coach based in London, and together they talk about how to handle emotions effectively, core limiting beliefs, and methods for practicing mindfulness at home. Hi there, everyone. Really nice to be with you again this week. And as part of our series of helping you through this emergency period with COVID-19, I'm here with Monica Greenfield, who is a life coach in training and is going to talk through some of the difficulties that we're facing as a community from the life coaching perspective. I've known Monica quite a while. I think that she is just the person right now to be able to give you some guidance on how we make some of these quite difficult decisions around family and how to kind of make those from a really good place. So Monica, do you want to say hi? Yes, hi. Really, really grateful to be here and hopefully be able to offer some support at this time. It's been a difficult time for everybody and a time that a lot of fear is around. And so that's something I'd love to speak about and shine a bit of light on as that can affect a lot of our decisions and make things even more difficult when the situation is difficult enough as it is. Mm. So just thinking a little bit about what kind of decisions people are making and I think what came up in the community from the questions that we had back last week were for sure around things like should I reach out to a family member to communicate possibly after quite a long period of time or how do I handle the judgments or the perceived judgments of others who I'm going to have to explain why I'm not in touch with my family. And so there's a lot of decisions around those kinds of very basic parts of being estranged from your family at this moment, but then also quite a lot of decision making around other things as well. So I'm really glad to hear from Monica around how we tackle decisions. I mean, personally speaking, in my life, I've always been a bit of a crap decision maker. (laughs) So I think it's something that's really worth working on. What kind of decisions have you been making, Monica? Certainly as this has progressed in severity and the more we've known about this situation, I was emigrating in around 10 days from now. So I had to make decisions whether to still go ahead with that plan or to stay put where I was. And a big, big part of me felt that I wanted to still go. And it was very much a fear that was driving that. It was like, I need to go now or I'm never going to be able to go. And it very much felt like a knee-jerk reaction had I done that, although the, the pull was very strong. So that was one decision I've had to face and work through, a decision of where to be. And other decisions that I've found difficult that I think a lot of people are probably facing is the need for connection and that desire for connection, which is so human, with advice that we're facing on social distancing and on isolation, essentially, and how to navigate that. So obviously there's one part of me that wants to see the people I really love and another part which knows some of the potential consequences of that and the advice, although not necessarily governmental advice, but a kind of growing movement of 
the more isolation kind of the better, which is usually something that we would want to be doing the opposite of really. So there's some tough decisions around that as well. It's really against our instinct as humans and what is generally really good for us, as long as those are nourishing good relationships. So yeah, I've had my own decisions around that as well. Mm. And I think that's such a hard thing to do, isn't it? I think it's thrown everybody's plans in the air. But I suppose when you're experiencing an estrangement from a family member, then this is a time where that makes us constantly reconsider that decision and whether we should or have a duty and obligation to be in touch with people because they're related to us biologically or whether it's something that we want to retain our distance from people because at this time their presence isn't going to be that good for our mental health. And I think there's a real crisis around those kind of decision makings. And often we have to make decisions quite quickly. Mm. So do you want to talk us through a little bit about what the coaching perspective is on how we make these kinds of decisions about whether to reach out to people or whether not to reach out? Yeah, sure. I think a lot of these situations you mentioned can be incredibly complex with nuances and history there that you or I wouldn't be able to give advice on those situations as each situation would be very unique. So the advice I can give would be probably more broad in terms of how can we trust ourselves to make the right decision. The premise that I would work upon is that we are all creative, whole, resourceful humans with an innate wisdom inside of us and we do know what to do. I think we all know this and have all felt it, those times where you feel a deep intuition and you feel a connection to... There's so many different terms for it, but an inner wisdom and inner knowing. If you're more spiritual, you might think that's a kind of source, universal intelligence, or if you're not, it may just be your own inner knowing and intuition. I think we've all had those feelings in our lives. And what I would like to say is that that is always there and it's always accessible. And so the tools that I can talk through is a way to connect to that because we all lose connection to that as well. And the perspective I take is that When we're in a mindset of fear, which we can all get into, and especially at this time, we're all going to be in that space at some point. And the key is to, first of all, recognise that there are different mindsets we are in and just know, rather than being on an autopilot and having no awareness of what mindset we're in, knowing how to recognise, ah, okay, I'm in the fear mindset, I've been triggered or I'm scared or something's going on, I'm feeling like uncomfortable emotions that's your cue that I'm in a fear mindset and my perspective and the perspective of the training that I'm in and the models we've looked at is that when you're in that mindset of fear you are automatically disconnected from that inner wisdom from your intuition from that kind of deeper knowing and intelligence which is always inside of you but you are disconnected from it when you're in fear so the key with these situations and making decisions is First of all, knowing what mindset you're in. And if you feel that you are in this kind of fear mindset, then going through some tools. So not making a decision in that place, basically. And I think you mentioned that decisions need to be made quickly. And to a certain extent, maybe they do. Like for me, with the decision I was talking about, like borders were closing and I had to make a decision. But there's always time. I mean, unless it's like a car coming towards you and you need to jump out the way, which is actually the way our brains are wired and why we're having these responses it's just a bit out of date for the situations we're now facing that's the fight or flight mode we do have at least a few minutes 
if not a few hours, if not a few days to actually make these decisions and go through a process that means we can kind of calm our bodies down, get out of this fear, flight or fight mode, which we're in so often and unaware of, and then make a decision from a better connected place. So I think that is so interesting. Mm. And so that fear mindset is everywhere at the moment, isn't it? Mm. And I think it's reinforced by the fact that the situation is just so rapidly changing. Mm. And so as you were saying about borders closing for your immigration, then I think for some people, they may feel like this is the final opportunity to see somebody Mm. or the final opportunity to turn up if that's what they want to do. Or like there's this sense that you're moving further and further away from people. And that can be really, really difficult. So I think the fear mindset, at least I've felt personally, has been really reinforced almost daily, constantly with the new developments that are happening. And then also looking at what's happening in other countries like Italy, like Spain, like China, thinking about how bad it could get then kind of puts us in this state of panic Mm. almost. And so how do you recommend that you even understand that you're in a fear mindset? Where does it start? Mm. Yeah, and just want to kind of acknowledge what you've said there. We're in unprecedented times. We are being triggered into fear constantly. So we need to be more aware of that than ever and perhaps even be aware of the things that are making us feel that way and maybe limiting, if that feels right, some of the sources and things that are making us feel that fear. But in terms of knowing when we're in it, the real key is our emotions and our body. So that's our tool and our compass for what mindset we're in. Anytime that you're feeling some kind of uncomfortable emotion, all of our emotions are rooted on this scale of either fear and on the other side, I would say love, or I think sometimes trust resonates more with me. But if you're feeling anxiety, some kind of tension in your body, edginess, even like your breath may change, It's just kind of slowing down and being a little bit more aware of your body and being aware that those things are coming up. And that's the moment to stop and get a little bit more curious around what's going on rather than powering through and carrying on and taking actions in that place. So I would say that it's being aware of emotions and being aware of the body is the emotions actually sit in the body. And if you can actually slow that down even further and if you feel something rising up, like a feeling of panic or something like that, slow it down, even do a body scan if you can. Just go through every part of your body slowly and try and feel, is there a place that that's sitting? And then start to name it and get to the root of what that emotion is. So I always feel that I carry those kinds of things like in my face and in my jaw. Mm. And sometimes I catch myself with a really locked jaw Mm. or my hands are really, really tense. So they'll be in a fist, which I think is so telling, isn't it? When I just stepped out of that mindset and noticed why are my hands in a fist and why is my jaw really locked? And I recognise it's that tension, that stress, that fear Mm. almost. Is that what you're talking about, looking at the body in that way? Yes, totally. I think, like you said, we do hold a lot of emotions in those areas. But whatever is more helpful, some people might find it difficult to locate emotions in the body. A lot of people are very disconnected from their bodies. And there's a lot of wonderful practices to get back into our bodies out of our heads, which are extremely helpful. But if that seems a little bit too far-fetched, a bit difficult, it can just be like noticing emotions. So we all know when we're feeling like happy, light, content versus panicked, anxious angry and it's just being more aware of those emotions and noting it as they arise and in that moment then stopping 
and going through a few steps mm. to name that, get a little bit deeper into it, let ourselves feel it and then release it and come back to a state where we're not governed by that emotion. So letting them move through us and coming back to a more aligned state from which we can make better decisions. And so is it a bit like where you're just being the watcher and you're watching your emotions? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different frameworks around this and there's a lot of different words used and there's a lot of different modalities. So if it's helpful, I can talk through the one that I've been learning in my coaching pathway. Mm. The model we're using is called the Mind Rebel Method. And it's a kind of three-step process of recognising when we're in a fear mindset, which the other term we've been using for that is the rebel mind, but it's all interchangeable and getting back to our kind of authentic or aligned self. I'm just thinking that if somebody is, say, constantly watching the stream of news that's coming at the moment with everything mm. and they're thinking, oh, my goodness, one of my elderly parents who I haven't spoken to for like four and a half years is in one of the vulnerable groups and they might die and gets into a really panicked phase. Are you suggesting that you sit with that for a while? Is that the methodology mm. in terms of noticing that emotion rather than acting upon it? Yeah, in a sense. So it's noticing an emotion and then not acting from a place when we're very triggered by an emotion. You say waiting, but I would say go through a more active process to move that emotion through our body and then come back to a different state. So what that would be, it's a three-step process, which is this method that I've been working with. The first step is to name it, and that's to really notice it, which is what we've already been talking about, like rather than just being unaware of what's going on, really taking that moment to be like, okay, I'm feeling these emotions, this is happening. Because often we don't even take that step to have that awareness of, okay, this emotion's happening, it's moving through my body, I'm feeling it, I'm feeling panicked. The second step is to actually feel it. So I know in some modalities and some methods, it's this idea of just watching it. But I would suggest that we need to feel and also express our emotions for them to move through us. And it's quite healthy to do that. The key is in letting them flow through us, express them, but not getting stuck there, not getting stuck in the story or the drama around it. And then the third step is to shift that. And what that really means is that once we've allowed an emotion to really flow through us and to feel it, there's a kind of catharsis. And we then can come back to a more aligned version of ourselves, where we're not being governed by the fear, the panic, the anxiety. It's moved through us. It's moved out of us for that moment, at least. It will come back again. This is normal. Like, this is life. In these times, we may have to go through this process five times a day, you know, mm -hmm. and that's fine and that's okay. But once that's happened, we can then tune into our inner wisdom and look at that kind of decision again and make a better call around it. Mm. And I'd like to talk a little bit more around the scenario you were talking about where you're watching the news or you're having some kind of input and it's creating an emotion in you and there's a feeling of panic and then there's all these thoughts about the future and what should I do, etc., etc., etc. I think in that moment of that first step, there's a little bit more in that than just noticing it. So it's noticing those feelings that are coming up and then there's a little bit of interrogation and a little bit of curiosity that is needed at that point. So then asking yourself... What's beneath that emotion? So I'm feeling panicked. So why am I feeling that way? And digging a little bit deeper. And what we'll often get to is if we keep asking, but why do I feel that way? But why? But why? But why? And getting really curious and honest with ourselves, we'll often get to what I'd call a core fear at the bottom of that. And it might be something like, I'm always going to be alone. 
or something like that. And it's shedding an awareness on that Mm. before we make any decisions and then challenging that core fear and seeing if that's a viable place to make a decision from or not. So I think there's a really interesting word or interesting phrase like core fears. Mm. Is that something that sits within us, something that relates to our past or any past Mm. trauma? Has it got an anchor somewhere? Yes, I guess what I'm talking about, so core fears, also we would use the term limiting beliefs. When you say do they sit anywhere, I mean, these are neuropathways in our minds. These are the beliefs about the world or about others or about ourselves that we formed usually in our childhood. We form all sorts of beliefs, but often if we haven't had a loving, supportive, almost ideal upbringing, we will form beliefs about the world, about others, about ourselves, which are actually unhelpful to Mm. us leading happy lives and making good decisions. Mm. They can be very hardwired into our brains. Mm. And so the key here is, And this is kind of a bigger piece beyond, you know, the pandemic and decisions. This is like a bigger piece of work, but we could use this opportunity to do that work and look into this. The key is shedding a light on those core beliefs because they kind of go unnoticed. The fish in the sea don't know they're in the sea. It's all they know. And so it's actually bringing awareness to those. And then we're not children anymore. From our more adult selves, tapping into this wisdom that we do all have, I believe we all have it questioning that and asking is that really true is that really true about the world or did I just happen to have quite lousy parents and it's not a reflection on me Mm. starting to really challenge those beliefs give them less power and then not make our decisions about our actions based from that place Mm. because often that leads to more unhappiness So I'm guessing if people have been through trauma, through any family member it can be, then I suppose that does leave an imprint in your belief system that perhaps you're not worthy of love Mm. or perhaps you're always going to be alone or that everybody's untrustworthy. This is a dangerous time and I haven't got family because I don't deserve to have family. Yeah, or the world is generally unsafe. I'm not worthy of love. Yeah. I mean, these are really common ones. I've experienced a lot of those beliefs and have done a lot of work on reprogramming them. And the great news is that we can. Mm. You know, we are all worthy of love. And so we need to look into if we have a belief that is not in alignment with that, we need to question that Mm. and interrogate that a little more and see why we've got that belief and really start to reprogram a new belief into our minds so Mm. that we can lead healthier, happier lives. And I'm just thinking a little bit about what you're saying as well. Like if you have these core limiting beliefs, then it does influence how you would see this situation. Mm. I guess sometimes the limiting beliefs are that I will always be attached to a difficult family or I can't get away or I haven't got the strength to get away. I suppose what you were talking about before too was about intuition Mm. and about your own inner wisdom, right? Which I completely Mm. believe. I think we've all got very natural senses of intelligence within us that we just don't listen to. But perhaps sometimes our core limiting beliefs might detach us from that very fundamentally if someone's been gaslighted constantly throughout their childhood, like where someone tells them that what they're perceiving is wrong, kind of detaches them from their own sense of intelligence and makes it seem as if they can't trust that. I suppose that's part of some people who've been through trauma and abuse go through that. I guess it's really empowering then to say that, no, my natural intuition is right and that I can trust that and I can trust myself. Yep, definitely. And I think it's like 
any muscle in our body, the more we use it, the stronger it will get. Mm. So it's almost like if that is really something that's been shut down a lot, it's just taking that leap and start to give it a go and see what happens and it will build and build and build. Mm. But to just take that leap and trust in the first instance if it's something that you're not used to doing. Mm. No matter the circumstance, we've all felt at some point a connection to that deeper wisdom and intuition And we've all also been pulled back by limiting beliefs. Every single person, no one is unique in that. We all do. We've just got different stories, different beliefs, different strengths of the grip that they hold on us. And so it really is like a practice. First of all, it's an awareness of those two mindsets that are operating. And, you know, there's neuroscience around this. This isn't all kind of spiritual. The two kind of come together in this. So firstly, it's that awareness. And then it's committing to starting to use the other muscle to not make choices like when we realize okay that's coming from this fear-based core belief making the conscious decision to not make a decision from that place and support that further Mm. taking the leap to trust in something better even if these beliefs have been very entrenched by the behavior of people around us and the circumstances we've grown up in It's taking a moment to interrogate that and look at other realities, other possibilities. For example, posing questions such as, could it be that I am a resourceful, intelligent person and it was just the people around me who had their own problems that made me feel like I'm not? Just starting to open the kind of possibilities up from what we've believed for a long time, Mm. that there might be some other reality. If this is the very beginning of this work, just giving that a little bit of space, just starting to give ourselves some other options of things to believe. Mm. And I guess that kind of works in this moment now, doesn't it? Rather than there being one direct thing that you have to do through obligation, it's about being able to come out of that fear mindset and then think about what the future might look like if I do this or I do that or have some consideration of the different possibilities in a way Mm. and what that means. Rather than being in this fear mindset and then reaching out really quickly without fully Mm. giving the emotion the time to run through the body, which I think is what you said, right? Mm. Perhaps if you wait or allow that and watch that or process that, then you might be able to open your mind to the different possibilities and have a more congruent way of making a decision. Mm. That's how I'm interpreting it. Is that right? Or am I getting at that in the wrong way? Yeah, no, it is. And I think it might be helpful to just talk through that scenario again a little bit more. So if there's this kind of decision coming up or this sense of, I want to reach out to someone, I think in that moment it's questioning why. So that's the curiosity part and getting down into like, where is that instinct or desire to do that coming from? And just being very honest with ourselves. So if we then ask those questions and get to the bottom of that, we may get to the answer that it's because I believe I'm always going to be alone and this is my only option to have any connection. And if I don't do this now, I'm going to be alone forever and I'm going to feel unloved and all these horrible catastrophic thoughts. My advice would be not to operate and make any decisions out of that space if we uncover and name and identify that's really the root of this feeling and this urge to get in touch with someone, then it's honouring the kind of pain we've been through to have these really limiting, painful beliefs around ourselves and going through the emotions of that, letting ourselves feel it 
and then letting that go and then coming to a broader perspective and making a decision from there. Mm. However, if you do have this urge to reach out and you can ask the questions and you find that it's actually not coming from these fear-based core beliefs and actually you believe there's some greater good in doing that and there's some other intentions other than fear, a decision based in fear in my opinion, is never going to be a strong decision. So it's just being honest with ourselves, is this a fear-based decision? Mm. Or is this actually, no, I'm not operating out of fear, I've given myself time to process it, to feel any emotions, and I still really believe that there's some real benefit in me doing this. That's the decision that's coming from a very different place. Mm. So I think it's just getting honest with ourselves of where this desire is coming from. Mm. Is it coming from a really grounded place where you're feeling integrated and whole or is it coming from a place where you've been triggered and you're activated and there's all these fear and anxiety and and negative emotions moving through you still and so the advice is to get to a place where you've really got to the bottom of those emotions allowed yourself to feel it wherever that's come from if it comes to something way back in childhood let yourself feel it it's very valid to have those feelings and then to make the decision once you've been through that process from a very different place, from your adult self, from your authentic self, from Mm. your connected self, from yourself where you're in touch with your wisdom, your intuition and all the other resources that you have. It's so interesting because I read a great book by Thich Nhat Hanh, who's a meditation and mindfulness philosopher about this subject of fear. He says that fear is very, very natural, that it's something that we cultivate because when we leave our mother's womb, we're in the world on our own. And so we are fearful because we need to protect ourselves. We've got to grow. And so it's really interesting to hear you promoting making decisions from a very different place, from Mm. a place where that primal base instinct isn't at play and isn't driving us. Mm. Like it almost sounds like there's a lot more intelligence involved in those kind of decisions. Yeah, and I mean, this is a really deep subject and it it does go into a lot of neuroscience behind this, which is a little bit out of my depth to talk through in any huge, huge detail. But essentially, we are kind of programmed from our evolution to be fearful and this is what we call the fight or flight mode or the reptilian mind it kind of goes back to times where the world was a very fearful place we could be attacked by an animal and we had to protect ourselves that was a very useful thing then it's those kind of reactions i try to give a modern day example of a car coming towards you the fear that's triggered makes you move out the way and it does save your life so it is a very useful mechanism we have and it's an important mechanism it's not one we want to do away with entirely but what's happened as we've evolved is the world around us has evolved completely the way we relate to each other's evolved as well yet that part of our minds is still incredibly active and so we get triggered into a fear mindset around things that aren't helpful it's not about jumping out the way it's about how to tackle a relationship issue or how to make decisions which is what we're talking about and in those instances it is not helpful to operate out of a fear mindset Mm. it's not that fear is not helpful at all it still is and it will still help us survive but it's in very certain circumstances and often not the ones that we're facing today not the ones that bring us the most anxiety find that so interesting and I'm just going to flip the page a little bit to people who definitely decided they don't want to be in touch with a relative at this moment in time they're feeling a lot of pressure societally maybe neighborhood communities 
or perhaps social groups to kind of be in touch with people mm. and almost feel a sense of shame or a sense of real quandary about how do I communicate my decisions with people. There's a social pressure that people feel and have to respond to in that moment. Mm. Do you have any thoughts about how people manage the communication around their decisions? Mm. Something that I'm really feeling with what you've said is that there's so much noise at the moment. There's so much opinion, there's so much news, there's so much input. And I think that more than ever, this is actually a time to go inwards more and get more in touch with ourselves. And coming back to that space I've been talking about, that inner wisdom in us, that intuition, that source of who we are and that essence, and getting really connected to that place. And I think if we're connected to that, really deep place we know that that's the decision for us and that that's right I think that's just the most important thing and I would broaden that out to everything at the moment it's so important to connect to that place it's almost the only certain thing we have right now mm -hmm. and it's what's going to keep us sane and balanced and centered and so turn down the volume on the noise outside like why do we have to explain that to anybody else we're all our own people and I think it's just so important for us to trust our instinct and what we know deep down in ourselves, to trust ourselves mm -hmm. in this because everything around us is so unstable at the moment and that's the only thing we can really trust. So I would question why we have to explain that to anybody else. And I think when you feel really secure in a decision and you know it's right, there's less need to justify yourself to others. You and I know that family situations can be very different and very difficult and that everybody has a right to make those decisions. So it's just trusting in that and staying true to that. And I think that's so important, isn't it? That we've got to be in a place where we don't feel like we're 100% explaining all this all the time because mm. I think there is a big emphasis on explaining when actually it's quite a common thing and one in five families in the UK will have experienced estrangement. So it's not something that's unique or people are abnormal for experiencing. Mm. But I guess these times just throw up more conversations and a lot more questions and mm. a kind of social duty to be around those who we're related to. But I think there's an interesting point about your core beliefs of this sense that if you are estranged from a family member or maybe your whole family, that you don't have family. Mm. But for me, I think it's about readjusting what that sense of family is because I think family doesn't have to be related. It doesn't have to be biological. It can be those core beliefs that that's the only family we have, I think are quite flawed because for so many people... It will be their community or it will be their neighbours, it will be their in-laws or it could be a brilliant set of friends or it could be a community like the LGBT community who've become that sense of family for people. And there's absolutely nothing to be ashamed of about that mm. at all. I couldn't agree with you more and I know we've spoken about this personally as well. For me, that's just something that I've accepted a long time ago and really celebrate. But for anybody who needs to hear that, there is absolutely no shame in family breakdown. I think we can often put that on ourselves and feel ashamed when often it's just circumstances that have been out of our control. And certainly in my life, the people that I call family, some have been people that are genetically my family, but a huge amount of people who brought wonderful things into my life and the greatest support are not so I totally am with you in the view that we create our families and I think we're seeing this more than ever actually we are seeing neighbours come together and we are seeing that more than ever actually because 
you know, in these times, even if they're quite close to their families, they're separated from them anyway. And we're seeing neighbours come together, people living together as friends. They're going to be their biggest support for each other. Certainly for me, some of the biggest support I've had during this time so far has been with the fellow coaches I'm training with. We don't even live in the same country. So I think that view is changing, but I would love to do more in that area to debunk that idea that the only family you have is the one you've been born into. Like we create family around us and we can choose our family and we can choose to be surrounded with the people that we can have healthy, nourishing relationships with. And they are our family and support network. And there's absolutely no shame to be had in that. Mm -hmm. In fact, there should be huge celebration. If you've managed to forge that in your life, then that should be something you really celebrate. And if you haven't yet, then know that you can. And that is, I think, such an important message, again, because those core limiting beliefs around the fact that nobody else is trustworthy because I've been let down by people who are meant to not let me down. Related family is seen to should be acting in a certain way. And if they don't, it can be very easy to internalise that and think it's something about me, mm. no one's going to love me, or I can't trust anybody else because they're going to hurt me. And I think that does stop you, in terms of beliefs, from building more of a voluntary kin, if you like, or... Mm a family of choice I think those core beliefs are really important to break down especially at this moment because we need each other and whether we're related or not we're all in this together totally I think we're feeling that more than ever which is one positive that's coming out of the situation is a sense of unity but yes to your point the really dangerous thing about the limiting beliefs is that they affect our behaviours So our thoughts form our beliefs and our beliefs affect our actions and then our actions become our behaviours and then our behaviours turn into our reality. And so essentially what I'm saying is that your limiting beliefs or your core beliefs become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So actually if you have a limiting belief such as relationships just don't work out for me, you're going through life with that mindset, with that kind of filter over how you're viewing your reality and it will affect how you behave and how you move into relationships. And so sadly, it will often recreate that exact fearful situation and then further cement that belief. So the work in breaking those beliefs and looking for something new is a difficult one at the beginning and it involves a bit of a leap of faith. But there is something in you that knows that you are worthy of love, that we all are. Or if you don't know that, then I'm saying that now. We are all worthy of love. We are all good at the core. It's kind of fake it till you make it, I would say. Just choose to believe differently, choose to act in line with a different belief and slowly see what happens. Mm -hmm. And that's what will lead to creating what you want in your life. Again, thanks very much for talking about that. I think it's a really, really interesting area and something that I think people work on a lot with maybe their therapist or their counsellor. Perhaps they don't name it as a core limiting belief, mm. but yeah, certainly those behaviours that we make from those things are really, really key to how we live in the world, I think, mm. and how we create and forge community. And there's no doubt in my mind we all need the feeling of family, mm. however it occurs for us. So to kind of break down some of those beliefs. And if we have very judgmental friends in our lives who are going to tell us that at this moment it's our duty and our obligation to go back to a relationship that's somehow unsafe because we're genetically related, I would have a question about whether they are really good friends for you as well. Like if people are going to pressure you into doing something, then I think that that's something that is quite a negative trait in that other relationship too. Mm. 
Like it isn't great to be around people that don't respect your boundaries and the decisions that you've made. Because I know from the majority, the vast majority of the community, they are long fought out, very much thought out for a long time and have been laboured over and been very, very hard to make. Really the worst possible choices you can make in your life is to distance yourself from a family member. Because ultimately I think all of us wish for something good with our genetic related family, but it hasn't always worked out for us that way. So I think it's about surrounding yourself by people that respect and understand your experience too. If people are going to be somehow negative towards you, then maybe they're not the right people. Mm. Yeah, that really resonates with me. I think it is important to be conscious of who we have surrounding us and whether those are positive relationships or not. And I think as we go through a process of starting to value ourselves more, change our beliefs around ourselves and our worthiness it generally tends to have a knock-on effect and we start to notice a little more where some of our relationships aren't reflecting those new, more positive beliefs we have around ourselves. Mm. And then there can come the time to question the relationships we have and potentially let some of them go. And it doesn't have to be a dramatic fallout or anything like that, but it's just starting to choose where you're putting your energy. I think especially at this time, we all need to feel supported and as loved as possible And so really choosing wisely where we put our energy and where we're getting our support from. It's been a really great chat. I really enjoyed it. So thanks so much. And I know it's going to be helpful for so many people. Is there anything else that you think people should know about the Mind Rebel method Mm. or indeed the coaching perspective at this time? Mm. I think I would just like to say that there's no shame around any emotions. And so while we want to get back into this place of operating not from a place of fear, it's really natural to feel fear at this time. I'm feeling some fear and anxiety most days at some point. It's actually allowing those feelings, just being a little bit more aware of the root of where they're coming from. And even once we know that, having compassion for ourselves, like if we have been alone a lot in our lives and we're feeling a real fear around being alone, it's not about shutting that off and going, well, I shouldn't be feeling that because I'm not a child anymore. It's kind of having compassion for your inner child and that part of yourself that's still part of you and always will almost comforting yourself in those moments allowing yourself to feel those things this is the kind of irony in doing that those emotions will pass and we'll come back into a place where we're more centered and in a stronger mindset but no emotions are bad no emotions are to be feared and actually if we allow them and get curious as to where they're coming from and allow ourselves to feel and process them will come to a much stronger place rather than actually pushing them down and resisting them. Mm. So there shouldn't be any shame around that, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Mm. In terms of really expressing and feeling the emotions, there's some real concrete tools and ways to do that. And different things work for different people. But the most obvious example that we all know is having a good cry. And I think we've all felt that feeling where you just allow yourself to have a good cry and then there comes a moment where something shifts in you and you don't want to cry anymore and you feel a bit of a release and you're in a different place. So that's the kind of thing I'm talking about when I mean let the emotion move through you, let yourself express it. But there's other ways that really work. So movement can be a great way of expressing emotion if you're in a position to do so and bang a pillow or whatever it is if you're feeling angry or in a safe way of expressing emotion through your body then that can be really really healthy as well or journaling is something that I love to do just get it all out in words or if there is a good friend or a safe person that you can just 
just express yourself and how you're feeling and let that get out then that can be really healthy as well but it's just allowing some kind of outlet for those feelings and emotions in a safe way that isn't hurting someone else so not in connecting with the person that you think you're feeling that emotion towards but getting it out in some way without them to a safe person or on your own through some of these methods then once that's moved through you then you can connect to the person or not or make that decision Mm. so I just wanted to give those like more tangible examples of what you can do I felt it might have been a little bit vague in terms of how do you actually feel those emotions Mm. yeah and those are all great practices so there's a a method called the morning pages which I don't know if you're familiar Mm, with where you wake up maybe you won't wake up in a fear mindset but you might wake up and need to get things out and it's just journaling for a couple of pages every morning Mm. just really sets you up for the day Mm. really really good and I always find exercise is just an amazing way to bring emotions through the body like going for a run or playing tennis or doing yoga and I know I've been promoting the hell out of yoga <laughs> over these last couple of podcasts but I do honestly find that is such an amazing way to recognize where the tension sits in your body and where you're feeling it ultimately yeah. and brings the mind and the body together in a very efficient way I think yeah definitely and we may have to get a little bit more creative I mean I'm an exercise junkie and it's almost like a lifeline for me every morning doing that And I guess we don't know what's ahead and how things might change. So just getting creative in the ways we can do that. But certainly yoga is something that you can do. There's so many online videos if it's something new to you and something that can be done at home. And also just again, because I absolutely love it, but just having a dance, Mm. not in a kind of just dancing like no one's watching. And if you can do that in your bedroom when no one's watching and just move your body and get out of your head. I find that so, so helpful as well. And journaling, as you've said, writing things down. All three of those have been such key tools in my life. Yeah, there's nothing like a good dance. Mm. And it does just move the energy through the body. It's incredible, like what it wakes up. And now we've got time. Get on your disco's playlist. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I know it sounds really crazy because we're talking about really serious situations. Mm. But like, I think if you kind of can move all of it through the body and watch it, observe it, understand it creatively, Mm. as well as through exercise, then I think there is a better place for you to make a decision from. And I think that is so important to understand that we make decisions from the right place and not in a reactive place. Yeah, that's the best advice we can really give at the moment. You've all got so many multiple different decisions. The questions I read were all very different in terms of what you're facing. But I think the one thing that we did observe is that everyone here has got a quandary of some kind of quality around whether it's what people are saying to us about our decisions or about the decisions about contact or no contact. So Mm. we wish you really well with that. And we really hope that you keep well, keep safe. And thanks very much for listening to this special edition of the Standalone Podcast. And thanks very much to Monica Greenfield for her wonderful input this afternoon. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And um, just as you've said as well, stay safe, everyone. Sending you all a lot of love at this time and hope that some of this advice and discussion helps you a little bit in the decisions in the weeks to come. Standalone is a really small charity. Becca started the charity seven years ago and has built it up to what it is now, supporting people in six different UK locations through support groups and also running a national campaign for estranged students to get them more support and visibility in their higher education process. 
standalone have done such a huge amount in a short time. But what they really need to ensure that they're around in the long term and that they can scale properly is donations from people like you. If you support charities, you'll know that there are bigger charities that ask for donations all the time. On television, billboards, on the tube, on the bus, and they have really big campaigns. This is great, but as a small charity, Standalone can't afford to do those kinds of campaigns. So we are asking you, our committed listeners who are impacted by this issue, to support the charity. If you can set up a monthly donation of just five or ten pounds, it makes a huge difference to what Standalone can do for you and other people affected by estrangement. If you go to their Just Giving site, which is linked in the podcast show notes, justgiving.com forward slash standalone, then you can make a one-off donation and also set up a monthly donation if you're able to. Your funds go a really long way to supporting people with this niche issue. A lot of people think that support should just be with them, but it's only with the help of genuine contributors that Standalone can reach and support as many people as possible. Please do consider giving a monthly donation to Standalone or giving a one-off donation on the Just Giving site. Thank you. And as always, if you have any thoughts to share with us about this podcast series, then please do so. The easiest way to get in touch with us would be via the Twitter, which is at UK Stand Alone. You can sign up for or look out for the newsletter soon for your chance to give constructive feedback about the Standalone podcast as we move forward into the second season. In response to recent events, we'll be releasing new podcasts in the coming days and weeks to further support you during this period of isolation. And if you'd like to get involved and share your experiences of estrangement, you can do so via the Standalone newsletter. Thank you for listening. Stay safe, stay active, stay healthy. I'm feeling tempted to try out some living room yoga.